Have you ever felt that some Bible studies are too much? You know, they're too long, they're too deep, they're too serious, they're too theological, and yeah, maybe they're too boring. <laughs> well, we're going to try to remedy that with this podcast, the Where's God? Finding Him in the Small Stuff Bible Study. We're going to take a close look at Scripture. We're going to look at the cellular base of what God was saying through His Word. But we're not going to make it too much of anything. We're going to try to make it just right for everything. When Matthew writes about what is happening at the tomb or near the tomb on resurrection morning, he talks about the women leaving the tomb, having spoken with the angel, who gave them the good news that Jesus was risen and that he was alive. He was no longer in that tomb. It was empty. And Matthew describes the way the women were feeling by saying that they were filled with great joy and they were afraid. <laughs> they were afraid and they were filled with great joy. How is that possible? How is that paradox possible to be afraid and at the same time be filled with great joy? Well, you know, I've had that experience in my own life when my wife was giving birth. <laughs> I was afraid and yet filled with great joy in that moment. Not just afraid about what was happening there in the delivery room, but afraid of the responsibility that I now had as a father and yet filled with great joy to be a new father. And that's kind of what those women were feeling on the morning of Resurrection Sunday, I think. We're going to talk more about it in this episode of Where's God, Where's God Finding Him in the Small Stuff Bible Study. Okay. So um, we're going to be going back to Matthew today, and uh, uh, chapter twenty-eight. And um, I thought that uh, I would share this with you this morning uh, because I found this to be very good insight into what we've been talking about as we've been looking into Matthew twenty-eight. And this is written by uh, Max Lucado. Do you guys know Max Lucado? And uh, the, this is from his book called He Still Moves Stones. And Max says, Mary and Mary, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary, Mary and Mary knew a task had to be done. Jesus' body had to be prepared for burial. Peter didn't offer to do it. Andrew didn't volunteer. The forgiven adulteress or healed lepers are nowhere to be seen. 
So the two Marys decide to do it. I wonder if halfway to the tomb they had sat down and reconsidered. What if they'd looked at each other and shrugged, what's the use? What if they had given up? What if one had thrown up her arms in frustration and bemoaned, I'm tired of being the only one who cares. Let Andrew do something for a change. Let Nathaniel show some leadership. Whether or not they were tempted to, I'm glad that they didn't quit. That would have been tragic. You see, we know something they didn't. We know the Father was watching. Mary and Mary thought they were alone. They weren't. They thought their journey was unnoticed. They were wrong. God knew. He was watching them walk up the mountain. He was measuring their steps. He was smiling at their hearts and thrilled at their devotion. And he had a surprise waiting for them. Why did the angel move the stone? For whom did he roll away the rock? For Jesus? That's what I always thought. I just assumed that the angel moved the stone so Jesus could come out. But think about it. Did the stone have to be removed in order for Jesus to exit? Did God have to have help? Was the death conqueror so weak that he couldn't push away a rock? Hey, could somebody out there move this rock so I can get out? I don't think so. The text gives the impression that Jesus was already out when the stone was moved. Nowhere did the gospel say that the angel moved the stone for Jesus. For whom then was the stone moved? Listen to what the angel says. Come and see the place where his body was. The stone was moved not for Jesus, but for the women. Not so Jesus could come out, but so the women could see in. Go quickly and tell his followers, Jesus has risen from the dead. He is going into Galilee ahead of you, and you will see him there. Mary and Mary don't have to be told twice. They turn and start running to Jerusalem. The darkness is gone. The sun is up. The sun, S-O-N, is out. But the sun, S-O-N, isn't finished. One surprise still awaits them. Suddenly, Jesus met them and said, Greetings! The women came up to him, took hold of his feet, and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Don't be afraid. Go and tell my followers to go to Galilee, and they will see me there. The God of surprises strikes again. It's as if he said, I can't wait any longer. They came this far to see me. I'm going to drop in on them. God does that for the faithful. Just when the womb gets too old for babies, Sarai gets pregnant. Just when the failure is too great for grace, David is pardoned. And just when the road is too dark for Mary and Mary, the angel glows and the Savior shows and the two women will never be the same. The lesson, three words, don't give up. Is the trail dark? Don't sit. Is the road long? Don't stop. Is the night black? Don't quit. God is watching. For all you know, right at this moment, he may be telling the angel to move the stone. The check may be in the mail. The apology may be in the making. The job contract may be on the desk. Don't quit. For if you do, you may miss the answer to your prayers. God still sends angels, and God still moves stones. Isn't that good? Yes. Yes. Well, that's a good point. I mean, you know, because it happens so close to the Sabbath that uh, I can't imagine there was a lot of interaction between Joseph and Arimathea and Nicodemus. 
and the women. So, I mean, it's possible that the women didn't know that any preparation had been done for Jesus' body or any anointing because they may not have got the word. They may have been going thinking that nothing had been done. So that's one, one scenario. The other scenario is that they knew Joseph and Nicodemus did it, but they didn't know how well they did it, and they wanted to make sure it was done right, you know? <laughs> I was thinking about that, too, and I was thinking that they knew it was done, uh, but they, because they, were, they probably wouldn't have these really expensive spices like Nicodemus and they did. Right. Uh, so they were just bringing something to, they knew the body might be rotting, it might be smelling, so it's I think I think you can look at it as a, 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 a statement of their faith that they were being faithful because this is this is what was supposed to be done when someone passed away and you prepared their body for burial. This is what was supposed to be done, and so the women. Not knowing, or, or not knowing if it had been done, or, or, or if it had been done properly, they were saying, "Look, this needs to be done. We don't know if it was done or done properly, so we're going to go and take it on ourselves to go do it." So it was their way of being faithful to their walk with the Lord and to their devotion to Jesus to say, "We're going to go take care of it ourselves." So it was just, I think, a, a, a statement of their faith that. They were going to take it on themselves to do what was right in the right way. Their devotion to him, and as we said, if you know, if, if you look back, which we did a, a couple weeks ago, but if you look back in Matthew twenty-seven, uh, Ma- Matthew twenty-seven, verse fifty-five, it says there the women were there. This was at the crucifixion. The women were there watching from a distance. They had followed Jesus from Galilee to care for his needs. So this was another step. They took care of his needs in his life, and now they're going to take care of his needs in his death too. And that's that's why they went. I always felt like they didn't. He God needed them there, didn't he? <laughs> so he put that on on their hearts. And and you know it's good. And this is a good point too, because uh, there have been times in my life where I have felt God prompting me to do something, and I have said, mm, you know. No, I, I mean, I, I never really said like no, but I'm like, I haven't listened. I haven't listened. I haven't listened to it. And if whether it's been I've just ignored it or I just said I'm just. And what I have found is later, every single time when I have that prompting of the spirit to do something, even if it doesn't make sense to me, afterwards when I look back on what happened in that scenario, I've missed something. You know, there, there was a time when I was prompted to go see someone who was in hospice and I didn't, and they passed away before I got to see them. I felt terrible about that. God was telling me to go and I was too busy or whatever. Uh, there was a time when uh, Jan and I were looking for a house and I had the prompting of the Spirit to go out to this little lake that we liked and there were some houses around it for like three months, for like three months. It was in the wintertime. Oh, it's too cold. It's too snowy. It's too... And when I finally do go out there, there was a house that would have been perfect for us. We would have loved, and guess what the sign said? Sold. Okay? So what I've tried to begin to do, and of course, I'm still not perfect at it. I just moved in. (laughs) 
but what I've tried to do, I'm still not as good as I was like, not perfect at it, but as for all of us, when you feel that prompting of the Spirit, there's a reason. Because God needs you or wants you to, it could be you know, that he wants you to give a blessing to someone, but in giving the blessing, you get the bigger blessing. So, you know, like the women, okay, they went to give Jesus a blessing in his death, but who got the blessing? The women. And I found this to be true in my, in my own. Like, if I go to visit a person in hospice, you know, yeah, it's effort, it's time, it's work, blah, 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 or in the hospital or whatever, in their home. But after I leave there, I feel like I got the bigger blessing. So, you know, when God prompts you, when the Spirit prompts you, listen <laughs> and do what it's telling you to do. So I've, I've begun to try to learn that. So, yeah, you're right. Cheryl, you want to say something? I was going to say, I always felt like they went because they knew the men did this. It was getting close to the Sabbath. It was getting dark. Right. They needed to get it done quickly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I always felt like the women were going just to. You know, they wanted to check it out and make sure that yeah, it had been done. Well, let me say this. Well, I was thinking yeah. one because I had that problem with how did the how in the world were they figuring they were going to get the stone rolled away? Well, they they might well have not known that a stone was put on the grave because it wasn't until they went and said they, somebody said they might rob the grave about putting a stone on. It was like the next day, wasn't it? Well, except that in Mark. In Mark's, which we'll go to next after we finish Matthew, in Mark's account, he does say that the women were asking themselves on the way there, who's going to move the stone away? So, yeah, it, in the book of Mark. So it's not in Matthew, but it is in Mark. So apparently they did know somehow word had gotten out that there was a stone that had been rolled in front of it. So. Isn't that typical? They would have, every tomb would have had a stone in front of it. The yeah. guards went Right, right. Plus, uh, you know, it's, it says in some of the Gospels that the women were there, that they saw the tombs. They may have also seen the stone rolled over at, when he was first taken there. So that's another another possibility. Um, oh, I was going to say about making sure it's done right. So, like, if we're having company at the house, or, or especially at our new house, because, you know, when you have new, what do you do when people come to visit you in your new house? You show them the house. All oh, this is... You know, this is the bedroom. This is the you want to show them the house. So, like when we have company, you know, I uh, make my bed and get it all looking good, and I'm ready for company, right? But Jan needs to go check it to, to make sure it's done right. You see, <laughs> so this is what was happening at the at the tube. You know, the men did it, but the women make sure it was done properly. So. Uh, just like making my bed and the, so, okay. So we're gonna. I'm gonna read the first part just to set the context. But we're gonna start on verse nine today. Actually, it's where we were last time when we left off. So starting in verse uh, 28, verse one, it says, "Well, after the Sabbath, at dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. Behold, can you believe it? There was a violent or great earthquake." For an angel of the Lord came down um, from heaven and having come, rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothes were white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook, they trembled, they had their own earthquake. 
and became like dead men. They just fainted dead away. But answering, the angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, uh, for I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. He has risen just as he said. Come and see the place where the Lord was lying. Uh, Then go quickly and tell his disciples he has risen from the dead, and behold, is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him, now I have told you. So the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid, yet filled with great joy, and ran to tell the disciples. So that's where we ended up last time. So starting with verse 9 today, uh, what's the, now my translation from the NIV says, suddenly Jesus met them. Do you guys have anything different in your translation? Yeah, behold is the actual Greek uh, in the original um, the original version. So behold, can you believe it, Matthew is saying, can you believe it, Jesus met them. Greetings, he said. They came to him, clasped his feet, and worshipped him. So I wanted to take a look today at this word greetings that is used here. This is Jesus' uh, word to the women as he met them. Um, And there's two ways to look at this word when Jesus says uh, greetings uh, to the women. Uh, The first is that um, that was the word that was used there is called Cairo in Greek. And uh, it was the common way to greet someone in the day, in that day. It was the same as saying hello, uh, hey, you know, hi, that kind of thing. And so some people feel that the reason Jesus just used that common vernacular of everyday language is because he was just kind of in a casual way greeting them. And and what he was trying to, to communicate was that this was my resurrection was no big deal for me. Uh, it, it was, you know, I say, hi, hello, how you doing? Just casually, not like this, not, not elevating what was happening, not elevating what had happened himself, just to communicate that, hey, I had this all along, this was no big deal, and for me, you know, it was like a slam dunk. So, so that's one way of looking at it, and some people feel very comforted by that in that, you know, even conquering death to Jesus was not a problem, never was. Uh, And it was just a comfortable, casual thing for him to do. Uh, But I think it's pretty incredible. (laughs) And if you actually go into the actual uh, meaning of the word in Greek, uh, the word Cairo means to rejoice. It means to be glad. Uh, it means wishing happiness to someone. It means to be full of joy. So, in other words, he's saying greetings to them. What he's saying to them is rejoice. And I like that because wouldn't you rejoice when you see Jesus resurrect? You thought he, you came looking for a dead a dead man, and you end up finding a living Savior. Rejoice, you know. And it says they had great joy. So he's. He's reinforcing their joy. Rejoice, yes, rejoice. He, he, what he, he said that they had fear, they were afraid, 
and had great joy. And what he does is he lists up their joy. Greetings, rejoice, and then he tells them not to be afraid. So he lifts up their joy and tells them, you know, don't be afraid. Um, the uh, definition of this word Cairo, greetings, is someone, a commentator wrote, it is a constant state, it is this joy, this, this joyous feeling, is a constant state because of our relationship with Christ. Christ is the source for all joy for those who find him. So to give you another idea of what this word means, if you want to turn to Matthew chapter 2 for a sec, Matthew 2, uh, and we'll go to verse 9, verse two, nine, uh, chapter 2, 9 in Matthew. <clears throat> the same word is used here. So verse 9, this is the wise men talking to Herod in Jerusalem, trying to find that word, the baby Jesus has been born. It says, after they had heard the king, these are the wise men, they went on their way, and the star they had seen in the east went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. It's the same word, overjoyed. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. The same word is used that Jesus used here to say greetings to the women. So if you can imagine, of course, how the wise men were overjoyed now because they didn't know where Jesus was, and now the star leads them to the exact place, and they're overjoyed because now they they came all the way from wherever they came, right? A long journey, and they get there, and how overjoyed would they be to actually find the place? It's really a great step of faith for them they, from their learning and studying to believe that they should go on this journey in the first place, and when it, it's going to like going to heaven, yeah, I think we'll all be overjoyed when we get there. Exactly. Great point. So, when, you know, you, you can imagine, any, anytime you take a step of faith, sometimes you begin to wonder whether, or sometimes, sometimes you take a step of faith, you begin to wonder, because you don't see the immediate payoff, you begin to wonder, did I do the right thing? Did I go the right way? Am I, did, I hear God the, did I hear God correctly? And maybe the wise men were thinking something like that after turning. So it wasn't like they found him a week later or a month later. It could have been years or two years later. But you know, So they had a long journey. So you wonder, maybe did their faith wane a little bit on the way? But then when you get the payoff, you're overjoyed that you actually, God was with you in that journey. And they must have felt the same way, that God was, finally they had confirmation that God was with them during that whole journey. And they have found the, the, the newborn king. And that overjoy, and so I think what Matthew, because Matthew wrote that also in Matthew chapter two that we just read about the wise men. Matthew wrote that, and Matthew wrote this. So I think the idea there is the kind of joy that the wise men had when they found the baby Jesus is the same kind of joy that these women, that God wanted, that Jesus wanted these women to have at finding Him, and I'm sure they did. It was the same kind of joy. So I really like looking at that word greetings, not as like he downplayed it, but he upplayed it for the women, that how incredible this is, what they're seeing, the resurrected Christ risen again as, you know, even a greater miracle than his birth is, a, is the miracle of his resurrection. And just as the wise men were overjoyed, so the women should have been and were overjoyed to see the risen Christ at that point in time. So I think that's a great way to look at that. Yes. 
worship him, and Jesus said, do not be afraid. Well, there's some sects that want to tell us that say that Jesus was beaten like Mormons. Yeah, right. Mm -hmm. And every time anybody was approached by an angel, they were afraid, they were told, told, do not be afraid, but dead, do not worship me. Jesus yes. Doesn't say that. No, no, right, exactly. He's acknowledging that he's God. Exactly. At this point. Another place, many, many places, this is another place. And God don't worship me. I mean, you worship me, so when you're an angel, you say, don't worship me. Yeah, as a matter of fact, um, in it's in verse 10 that Jesus says to them, Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. So the word afraid there, since we're talking about that right now, the word afraid there is an interesting word. Um, you know, we talked about a couple weeks ago, you know, why were they afraid? And we came up with several different reasons as to why. Um, and I think, you know, it doesn't matter so much why they were afraid. They just were afraid. And, uh, and I think we can relate to that, because we get afraid, too. And, uh, and all through the Bible, Jesus, God, through Old Testament, New Testament, Testament, over and over again tells us not to be afraid, not to be afraid, not to be afraid. And yet our human nature is to be afraid so often. So I wanted to look at, um, as we just did, this word that Jesus used here, do not be afraid. And the word is, um, in Greek, phoba, phobaho. We get phobia, phobia from that word. And it's also used, let's look at that too, it's also used in Luke uh, chapter 2, if you want to turn there real quick. Uh, Luke chapter 2, uh, verse 9 to 9. <clears throat> Yeah, so this is where the angel appears to the shepherds, and uh, it says, uh, and there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were what? Terrified. And the reason that the word terrified is used there instead of afraid is because Luke uses the same exact Greek word, that Matthew uses here for afraid, but Luke adds the adds the uh, the word mega to it. Mega. The, the the shepherds were mega afraid. They were you know they were big afraid. They were they were huge afraid. But the word afraid is the same exact word in Greek that Matthew uses here in verse ten of the women. Uh, do not be afraid. Uh, and just as the angel, so, so you have an angel appearing to the women, and you have an angel appearing to the shepherds, and their reaction is the same, fear. And the angel says to the shepherds, do not be afraid, and Jesus says to the women, do not be afraid, and it's the same word in Greek, uh, the same Greek word for afraid. And I think in both cases, both the shepherds and the women were afraid of what they had seen, the shepherd, the uh, angel, angels, angel, and they were afraid of what they had heard. You know, a, a, a child is born, um, 
and, and, and Christ is risen. Uh, and I think oftentimes that's the way we are. When we get afraid, we're often afraid because of something we have seen or something we have heard. And, uh, but as a, as, a, as a child of God, as a Christian, you know, what I feel like the, the angel was saying to the shepherds and that Jesus is saying to the women is, don't be afraid of what you've heard. Don't be afraid of what you've seen because you've got this. And the reason you, you've got this is because I've got this and you're mine. So don't be afraid. I've got this. Don't be afraid. You've got this. You've got this because I've got this because you're mine. And we have to fight so often against our human, the human nature for the shepherds was to be afraid. The human nature for the women were to be afraid. Even though this was good news, good news, a child is born. Good news, Jesus is resurrected. It's good news, and yet it still causes fear in our human nature because of what they've seen or heard. Um, yeah. The thing that has helped me, somewhere along the line I heard this, and it, it really has helped me over and over. Uh, it's easy to remember. Fear is the opposite of faith. If you remember that, and you start to feel afraid, you know that that's about where you should be. But he didn't give us a spirit of fear. So when you start to feel fear, Remember, the fear is the opposite of faith, and faith is what we want. Amen. Amen. But these are miraculous events. Okay? I mean, if angels appear today, we'd be afraid. We would be, we would be shocked. They're huge. And stunned. Right? Yes. Okay? Even, even the, the disciples, when the women went and told the disciples, they didn't believe. They didn't believe. Okay? Because they're humans. And they don't, they don't understand that. So, uh, you know, God ushered all this in, okay, dramatically, okay, and that's why there was fear. I, you know, Joe, I'm looking at it from a very human viewpoint. You know, when my mother passed away, if my mother were to suddenly appear alive after I stood at the bedside, I would be. Wait a minute, God. And I think the same thing with Jesus. Yeah, they heard that he was going to raise from the grave, but they did, still didn't buy into it totally. They went to prepare the body. Why would they prepare the body if they believed Jesus had been risen on the third day? Right. The other issue is, okay, Jesus suddenly appears, and then he starts talking to you. Am I having a hallucination? Am I on something that I didn't know? <laughs> you know, but that's that's our general reaction on stuff like that. And I think that's why that you know, don't be afraid. Okay, I really am following through with what I told you I was going to do. I give you reassurance on that. And so I think that human point every time when we hear anything about an angel in scripture throughout scripture. There's always that fear. Yeah. If I was out in the field at night, walking, watching up a sheep, and all of a sudden the sky lights up and you see all these critters floating around, you're going to stand there and like, dude, what's going on here? <laughs> yeah, you know, and those are the type of things, those are natural reactions. Uh, that, you know, and I think sometimes we forget, okay, they were just like us. 
Yeah. They had a common feeling, you know, they were living their lives and everything, and then all of a sudden you put this beautiful thing happening in front of you. Uh, you know, I had somebody send me something just the other day and said, you have an angel, Jamil. I don't know anything. But it was, you know, he's watching over you. So, and I'm thinking in my own mind, okay, I might have an angel protect me, but I got God taking care of me. That's the main thing. Well, you know, and interesting, I mean, it, what, the, what the angel said to the uh, uh, shepherds was, uh, do not be afraid, I bring you news of great joy. I bring you news of great joy. And here's Jesus using Cairo, greetings, is, is to bring great joy. So, you know, what God wants us to do, as Stan said, uh, because he has this, we have this, and instead of being afraid, we should have joy. Joy in knowing that whatever it is, we don't face it alone. Whatever's causing us fear, we're not by ourselves. That the God who has it, has us. Because he has it, we have it. And instead of being afraid, be joyful. I think that's kind of the message that Matthew and Luke both are giving us here. Interestingly, it's interesting. I haven't noticed this before, but throughout the New Testament, we have the term the Lord Jesus Christ. Here the angel defines those three terms. He says, Savior, Messiah, Lord, God. Yes, exactly. Right. He's the Lord God, he's the Savior Jesus, and he's the Messiah Jesus. Exactly right, and um, you know, and 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 that's what that's what gives us the strength that we need and the security and safety that we need. So I think we have time to uh, do one more thing about verse ten, and that is what is he te- <laughs> what is he telling them to? What is Jesus telling the women to tell the disciples? What are they so he's giving them a message to take back? Go to Galilee and there they will see me. Go to Galilee and there they will see me. Which is now the second time the women have heard that. Because the angel said the same thing in verse 7. Then go quickly and tell his disciples, He has risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. And now Jesus himself says, Tell my brothers to go to Galilee, there they will see me. Um, so. What Jesus is doing, as we talked about with the wise men, uh, and as we even find with the shepherds, because when the angels appear to the shepherds and give their message to the shepherds about Jesus' birth, what is the first thing the shepherds do after the angels go back to heaven? What's the first thing they do? Yeah, they say, as a matter of fact, if you look in in, uh, Luke, it says, the, 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 the uh, shepherds are talking by themselves. They said, let's go and see. Let's go and see this thing that the angels have told us about. And so as the wise men had faith to make the trip to find Jesus uh, when he was in, in, in early years, birth or soon thereafter, as the, as, the, as the wise men took a step of faith to take that journey, so the shepherds had the faith from what the angels said to go to Jerusalem and find the baby. So we have wise men taking a step of faith, shepherds taking a step of faith, 
What did the disciples do? What was what were the so the shepherds went to Bethlehem to as their step of faith. The wise men came to Jerusalem and then Bethlehem for their step of faith to to find uh, uh, the Messiah. And the disciples are supposed to do what as their step of faith? Go to Galilee, right? So Jesus. So the wise men are faithful enough to make their journey. The shepherds are faithful enough to make their trip into Bethlehem. But what? But are the disciples faithful enough? Do they have? have do they have the faith to just go from Jerusalem to Galilee? No, because where do we find them later in the day? Well, but later later that day though they're still hiding in the upper room, aren't they? So when Jesus comes to find them later in the day, they're not in Galilee. They're still in Jerusalem. So Yeah, verse 16, but that's not that's not immediate. That's as a matter of fact, this is the great commission, Chuck, which happens much later. Much later. Probably 40 days later. Okay, thirty to forty. They didn't even. They didn't even. They didn't even take step one. They didn't even unlock. They didn't even open the door. They said, they, you know, the angels appeared to the shepherds, and, they, and the shepherds say, "Let's go." An angel appears to the women. The women give the disciples the message, and the disciples say, "I don't think so." Now. The shepherds have never even seen Jesus. What do they, I mean, you know, they were on the low rung of the totem pole. They were uneducated. Who knows what they knew about the Old Testament scriptures, about the Messiah being born, maybe something, maybe nothing. But all they had to do was hear the shepherds, and they went. But the disciples hear, I mean, hear the angels, and the shepherds went. Uh, the disciples hear the angel and the message from Jesus himself, but they stay home. They don't go. But, but didn't the women give the message? Yes. Them, not Jesus. No. Well, right. And no, no that is the one difference. The shepherds saw the angels directly. directly. The disciples got the message secondhand. Right. Well, and, but according to Matthew, Matthew doesn't even include that. That's right, sir. That's right. That's right. Immediately into Galilee. I mean, it's like it goes right away to the story. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee. That in verse sixteen, you mean? Yeah. 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 They did go eventually, but verse six. But, but no, in Matthew they did. Right here it talks about. Um, well, you know, it talks about them. Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. And then it talks about the people going into Jerusalem to, to tell them. And the guards. Didn't say anything, the guards. Right. And then it goes immediately to say, now the eleven disciples went to Galilee to the mountain. To which right. But that part, verse 16, that's the great commission that Jesus gives the disciples. And that happens later. That happens just before the ascension. So. No, no, exactly. Exactly. So Luke, Luke, I think it's Luke gives us the upper room. But the, the point of the fact is that the disciples, they failed in their act of faith. They didn't go to Galilee. They did eventually, but they didn't 
immediately when 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 the in other words it, I would like to think that if you know a woman came into me and I'd been with Jesus for three years and seen all the miracles that he did and all the teaching that he did and everything that he did I believed that he was the Messiah and even though I saw him crucified and buried and dying that if one of, if one of the women who had been who I'd been with all those years too uh, as followers of Jesus I mean those women were with Jesus too during most of those years that if one of those women came back and said, I saw an angel, and I saw Jesus, and he said he's alive, and he said, go to Galilee, I'd be, I'd be out the door on my way to Galilee. But they weren't. But let's go to verse 16 for a minute, and let's see. They did eventually go to Galilee, so let's see what happened when they did go. Verse 16 says, then the 11 disciples went to Galilee. So eventually they did go, right? But this is, again, after they've seen Jesus for 30 or 40 days, and, and they've been with him now and then. He's appeared to them, you know, on a handful of occasions. So now they do believe that he was raised and is alive. So then they go to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. So he told them, go to Galilee, go to this mountain. I'll see you at such and such a place at such and such a time. Verse 17, when they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. And that some doubted there is the idea of some hesitated. That's not talking about the 11 disciples. The reason that Jesus told him to go to Galilee is because that's where most of his followers were at that point. So uh, he's going to Galilee where most of his followers are. That's where his ministry really took place during the three years. Uh, and it's also away from Jerusalem. So you're away from the intervention of the uh, Romans and the, and the religious leaders. And uh, you have uh, it's a safer place for the people who follow you to come and be with you. So Matthew only talks about the 11 disciples being there, but there had to be probably 100 people there or whatever. There were more people there, followers of Jesus, who were part of that. And it could be that some of those, when they saw Jesus resurrected, this is the first time they've seen him resurrected, some of his followers out in Galilee. And just like, you know, where, where uh, Mary Magdalene first thought he was the gardener, you know, that some of these people, upon seeing him for the first time, didn't recognize him, perhaps, uh, in his resurrected body. And they kind of were hesitant to believe. The word there says doubted, but it's actually the idea of they were hesitant. And maybe it's because it's the first time they've seen him in his resurrected body. Is this, is this Jesus? Is this the Jesus? Uh, so it's not meant to say that any, that the 11, either, any of the 11 disciples, because they had seen him already in the upper room. He already showed him his hands and his side you know, with, uh, with Thomas and all of that. So the people who were hesitant were other followers who were in Galilee, who probably had not seen Jesus resurrected yet. Verse 18, then Jesus came to them, so he comes to them closer, and says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, therefore go and make disciples of all nations. That's what we're talking about, you know, in this year's uh, uh, sermons that uh, Dave is doing. Uh, Baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the end, to the very end of the age. So when the disciples are faithful, when they do go to Jerusalem, when they do obey, they get the great blessing of the Great Commission. So my point in all of that is that faith and obedience are often rewarded by the Lord. So when he told them to go to Galilee and they just stayed in the upper room, you know, he appeared to them because he had to appear to them to get them to believe in the resurrection. But 
when they actually went to Galilee is when they received the Great Commission. And that gave them their... It, it, it defined who he was and what his role is, and it defined for them who they were and what their role was to be. And so they received this wonderful blessing of the Great Commission. And they received it after being faithful and obedient. So faith and obedience is rewarded by the Lord. And they received it, and we receive it too, and we also are faithful and obedient. So. This points out when you did when you went through all these different scriptures to put them in sequence. Yeah. This is another one of those. Oh, the sequence. I mean, you think, well, they did that right away. Right, right, right. Yeah. It's compressed, yeah. Yeah, it even says in Matthew, it says, while they were going, behold, some of the guards went into the city. So, I mean, it acted, I mean, Well, the guards did. The guards went immediately. In other words, as soon as the women left the tomb, the guards went. It doesn't say while the guards were going. It says while they were going. And just before that, it's talked about, do not be afraid. Go and tell my disciples to go to Galilee. And there, and it says, while they were going, behold, some of the guards went into the city. Okay, that's okay, okay. The they there is not the disciples. No, the they there is the women. While they were going, while the women were, in other words, they have seen Jesus, and Jesus said to the women, go tell my disciples. So Matthew was saying is, while the women were going to tell the disciples, that's when the guards went in. It was He's not talking about why the disciples went to, I, I understand why you're confused. So, yeah, define the word they. The word they there doesn't mean that while they, the disciples, were on their way to Galilee, what it's saying is, while they, the women, were on their way to tell the disciples what Jesus had told them, that's when the guards went in, so that was the same time. Yeah. And so that's why there can be a time frame between, you know, that verse 16, there's a time frame, a certain time period that Matthew just kind of overlooks. <laughs> so. <laughs> maybe he just felt it wasn't all that, maybe he just felt it wasn't all that important, you know. All right, guys, that's about time for today. So. That concludes this episode of Where's God? Finding Him in the Small Stuff Bible Study. I pray that you've learned something new about the Lord today, and He's given you some new insight into who He is and how much He loves you. Remember, the eternal God is our refuge, and underneath are the everlasting arms. May in that refuge today and those everlasting arms, you find the provision that you need, the protection that you need, the power that you need, and through those, the peace that you need. Remember, he said, my peace I give you. Peace be with you. Shalom.